sometimes your product is really not that complicated to sell and you might really just be doing very fine with hiring young people, training them well, and then getting the product out there. Project A Podcast. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to the Project A Podcast. Um, we are talking about sales incentives today, um, which is a really big topic. I think every founder, every um, CSO, head of sales has thought about this topic quite a bit. Um, it's um, a topic that is surrounded by a lot of ambiguity, I would say. People often believe this is the way to really push your sales team to the next level. Um, but it's a bit of a two-edged sword. So we'd like to explore a little bit what are the do's and don'ts today of this model? What have we seen in the past? Um, and how can you maybe set it up in an easy way um, without ruining your whole company? I have Raul here with me today. Um, Raul is a sales and customer success specialist with us at Project A. And maybe you can say a few words um, about uh, where you collected your experience to talk about this topic. Yeah. Uh, hello there. My name is Raul Porojan. I uh, have been working in sales, especially very sales-driven companies, for around four years now. Uh, I started at Project A, actually, within the portfolio at Treatwell, which was uh, later sold, um, which was a platform that sold uh, beauty services online, or a marketplace for beauty services online. And they had a very big sales team that went out and acquired all these uh, beauty salons and spas and massage studios. Uh, we had around, I think, 40 to 45 salespeople, which I think for a startup is quite a big, uh, big size across five different countries. So that was the first thing. And that was where I dipped my toes into the water when it comes to sales. And that's where I uh, really got to, to love it. Uh, my second position was as uh, director of sales operations at Service Partner One, which was a B2B office management solution. And uh, my role there was a little bit less uh, selling myself, but building processes and aiding the sales team. So that's what we define as sales operations. Many different topics about that, but I think that's a topic for, for a later time. Uh, then I moved on to uh, Pets Deli, which is also a Project A portfolio company. And we built a sales team from scratch there to sell basically dog food uh, on the phone, uh, B2C to people, and then mostly subscriptions for dog food. And uh, by the way, that worked surprisingly well, even in 2017 and 2018, you can sell uh, to people on the phone. It works out. <laughs> and um, after that, I dabbled around one year and a half in the uh, automotive uh, business uh, in a company called VisiOne. They do digitalization for uh, automation, um, uh, for automotive. And there uh, I was a sales excellence specialist, which means uh, all kinds of sales uh, topics, starting with incentives, for example, uh, but also going to sales trainings, uh, how to set up your sales operations. And uh, then I moved to Project A back again. Um, sales specialist is my position here. And my problems that I work daily with uh, can be something like incentives. Okay, very interesting. So I think really a very broad spectrum of um, very different products and also teams um, at those companies, so sales teams at those companies. Um, and I'm sure you've seen um, many different um, incentive models. Um, and at least in my experience, oftentimes, unfortunately, those things are kind of developed in a uh, trial and error um, methodology. Um, and this really, I've seen it at least in a few companies, really creates a lot of distraction for the entire sales organization. So maybe you can share 
uh, I'm sure you have one good example of <laughs> where a certain kind of um, sales scheme led to um, effects that you actually didn't expect or didn't, didn't want to happen. Yeah. So a, a classic effect is what people actually do with their sales when they do sell. And what I mean by that is, okay, let me preface it by saying uh, the, the situation was at Treatwell. So Treatwell changed their model uh, quite a bit, which I think at the time was correct because things really were changing very fast. Um, and sometimes... Maybe, some, maybe you can just say what Treatwell uh, did just to make sure that all our listeners yeah, understand what the Yeah, as, as was. mentioned in the beginning, Treatwell yeah. sold uh, spa solutions or like spa services. Uh, you, can book your, you can book your hairdresser online. That's basically what Treatwell did. And we had a sales team again of 40, 50 people who went out to acquire these beauty salons and uh, they get them on our website. And we changed our model quite a bit. So sometimes some considerations were not done because there was no time for it. And what happened was we had a goal uh, that you were heavily incentivized to reach. I think it was around 20, 25 salons, something like that. And when you reach that goal, there was no kicker in the end to get much more than that. So once you reach your 25 to 30 gold, uh, you're, you're good. I mean, you, you can just go for the next month after that. So what happened in the end was that people would, once they reached their goals, uh, keep additional contracts in their backpack and not hand them in and not put them on, their, on our website. So some salons would have to wait for weeks until they would go on our website. Um, why is that? Once I reach my goal of 25, uh, I'm not incentivized anymore to hand in those uh, accounts and I can just keep them for the next month so I'll have less work to do next month. Um, so something that just makes sense on an individual level, because uh, I mean, be, be honest here, you would probably do the same thing if, if that's how you're paid. Uh, something that makes sense on that level might just not make sense on a company level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a very good example. So really making sure that overperformance is also um, basically incentivized and that people benefit from really going way above their targets. That's definitely something we'll um, circle back to later on when we talk about how, the, how that model should look like maybe. All right, um, so let's stay, take one step back because um, I think when you, when you think about sales, everybody says, yes, salespeople, they have to have a variable component in their salary. Uh, and there has to be an incentive scheme. And actually, when you think about it, um, I'm not really sure why this is true because let's take a company that has both marketing and sales channels. So they're doing something like wholesale, um, but they're also selling directly on their website. Both sales and marketing, their goal is basically to generate revenue. And it's completely normal in the same organization to have one team that is incentivized to achieve revenue and another team that is just told to generate revenue but doesn't get an incentive for this. What, why do you think that is? Why was it so common to have, um, to have incentives in sales? So let me preface it by saying that I think that's two different questions. So the one question is why, why have a bonus scheme in general? And then why do you have one for, for sales and maybe not yeah. for the other departments? So maybe just relating to the why, why does sales get a bonus scheme, not everybody else? Again, thinking from a personal level, yeah, you might sit in a company in, let's say, HR or marketing and think, well, I want that too, right? I, I also, I've seen that salesperson make a lot of money this month. I also want that. Why can I not have that? And we have to say before that, of course, not everybody's going to have the big salaries in sales. That's not how it works. Uh, in the end, it's going to usually 
cancel out, uh, or if your organization performs really well, then everybody's going to make a lot of money. So um, that's something you really have to tell people. Uh, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, uh, why can I not make that kind of money? It's like, well, point at the other three salespeople that did not have a good month and that maybe made less than you did. Okay. So, and to be frank, other departments sometimes get bonuses too. Uh, they maybe not in the same vein and they may be a little low, uh, lower than uh, in the amount than in sales, but other departments get bonuses too. But then in the end, why do salespeople get some? Um, so I think number one is sales is very measurable. This is not something that discerns it from marketing, but as you said it, uh, in sale, either you, you make the sale or you don't. You make the call or you don't. And you write it down in Salesforce and everybody can see it. So it is much simpler to link a bonus scheme to something that is measurable. Um, and maybe something that is a difference between marketing and sales is that in sales, you are measured on what you actually achieve. And in marketing, that's also true. But I think the as I interpreted, the main role in marketing is to uh, interpret numbers and to find ways to make them better. You don't directly influence whether the customer buys every time when you put it on, on Google. What you have to do is measure and optimize uh, the, 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 the amounts that you pay and then maybe go on a better side. So I think your key driver here is making, making the sale less expensive in mm -hmm. marketing, but you're not directly in the contract with a with with customer. So maybe that might be something. Um, second thing is you're working with uh, somebody external, so you don't really have it uh, in your own hand. and that is something that is very difficult to, to, to track performance-wise. It is something that's very difficult to coach someone on because you're not always there. When you're ahead of sales and the salesperson is out there in the field, you're not always there to help them. Uh, what you can do is you can pay them to incentivize them to help themselves by educating themselves, by listening to uh, your trainings that you do, by attending them, uh, by talking to other salespeople. So, being so much out in the fields really means that you have to get your shit together. Yeah. And um, I would say the third, maybe a smaller aspect is generally salespeople are a little more risk thin or like have a higher affinity for risk and really see themselves as more entrepreneurial, entrepreneurs within a company. This is something you will hear very often. I feel like I'm an entrepreneur in your company and I am incentivized to make this company succeed. And I also want to benefit from when the company succeeds, but I also carry the risk if it doesn't. And this attitude is something you will see very often. And that's an attitude that links together with bonus scheme. Yeah. Okay. Understood. So basically to summarize, you're saying uh, one thing is slightly different personality traits that you find in those different teams. Second one is salespeople, at least in, in a lot of organizations, uh, a large part of their job takes place place outside of the office. Um, so you have to make sure that basically their actions are fully aligned with what you want them to achieve. And the third part is that you really have a very direct impact between the revenue that is made in the company um, and your activities, whereas in other um, functions, you're more in a supporting role to make sure that those sales happen. Sure. I mean, you influence uh, the yeah. revenue in every, in every yeah. position you, you do. But I think the the Re the, the relation is nowhere as clear as it is in sales. Yeah, that's the point. Absolutely. Agree. Okay. Um, so then let's move on to the next part. We've established that um, it makes sense probably um, to have sales, uh, to have incentives in the sales team. Um, one question that I often hear from um, our founders, especially in the more early stage companies is, 
what's the right time to actually um, start thinking about yeah. uh, an incentive scheme? So the answer nobody wants to hear is I think in a sense you should start immediately at least immediately thinking about the fact that there is going to be a, bo a bonus scheme later on. So even starting with the first salespeople in your company or if you, even if you just have a VP sales and that guy or a girl is supposed to do everything in sales in the beginning, make sure that they understand there's going to be a bonus later on and most likely also already include something in the contract. Uh, because it will be much late, much more difficult later on to enter that discussion uh, from from scratch. Uh, you will have to concede a lot of money, probably on that fact. Maybe money that will not make sense anymore to you, and uh, you might just not make that person very satisfied with the agreement. Um, however, if I talk about bonus before already, and if I already have something in the contract, then everybody's uh, clear on what's going to happen. Um, also, the sooner you start thinking about that, the earlier probably start collecting the relevant numbers that you can use to guide your bonus. So that's just a preface for that. Um, I would say, I would like to make a difference between the salespeople that you have in your company. So in a startup, you will usually, or let's say you open a new market or a new company, you usually have your first commercial person who is going to be sort of a mix between sales and marketing and business development. They're going to be doing a lot of different things. Mm -hmm they're probably not going to be just customer facing. They might do a presentation, they might go to some talk, they might uh, be on social media, do different things. And you might call them sales, but they do a couple of different things. At a later stage, when you scale, you probably hire salespeople for being a salesperson, mm -hmm. right? You hire them to go out and be in customer contact, do, call, do calls, do mails and everything. And I would differentiate those two people because the second person is very, very focused on uh, doing the sell, the sale, yeah. uh, and doing things that, as they call it, doing things that scale, and that is also something that's very easily measurable and much more easy to pay bonus on, mm -hmm. and it is also something that delivers the valuable learnings that you need to improve your commission scheme. So, as a conclusion, I think once you start hiring this kind of person, the kind of person that really focuses mostly on sales and less on business development, that's when you absolutely have to have a bonus scheme. Mm -hmm. And I think an issue that a lot of companies have at that point is, depending on when you, when you hire that person, we'll get to that later, but to really make a bonus scheme that actually makes sense, once you sit down to do it, you will see that it really takes a lot of understanding of your business from you. And sometimes you don't have that yet at that point, so it, gets you, it makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Um, you'll see that you really need to understand your funnel, you need to understand your KPIs, your company goals, uh, what's a realistic performance. Those are things that many times in the beginning you don't know yet. Yeah. So even when you don't know them yet, just start thinking about bonus schemes and maybe already implement something, you'll make it better. But don't be scared to start early on. Yeah, okay, actually I fully agree and I think um, the most important point for me is that what you what you want to do basically from the first day is start thinking about the goals that you want to set, even though they might not have a direct monetary impact on whatever the person is doing, you kind of have to come up with an expectation and, and I think that's the point that you also made, start measuring against that expectation. Because only if you've really thought about uh, something like which KPIs am I using to later on assess the performance of my salespeople, you can have something that you can use in your first actual incentive scheme. So I think for me, the process is setting goals, 
creating transparency, so tracking and collecting that data, and then thinking about how can I connect a monetary incentive to that goal setting and transparency. And I would add really don't be too scared, even if you don't know it all yet. Like, I think setting up a commission scheme or a bonus scheme, many times you have the imposter syndrome a little bit because you know that what you're asking of people might just not be perfect and you might just pretend that you know the, the data. And that happens a lot and that's fine. I think the solution that makes sense to me is really be, I would not say clear about everything, but talk to people and talk, tell them, hey, we don't know yet. Uh, this is something that we are, we, we, we have a process that we arrive these number that we used to arrive to these numbers and we're going to use them for now and trust us that we're going to make them better. And we trust you that you're going to work with them and, and you're going to help us achieve better numbers. And there are tools to also increase that trust. Like for, for example, uh, let's say I hire you and I'm not sure about my bonus scheme yet. I'm not sure about my performance KPIs yet. What I can then do is to just say, okay, I'll pay you uh, 50K uh, fix and I'll pay you 20K bonus max, for example, or 20K bonus for, with a 100% performance. Um, for the first half year, I'll just give you those 20K. Because you don't know the company yet. We're a new company. Nobody knows us. We don't know our KPIs. We don't know our performances, but we still want to have you. So that's just something that we can do in the beginning. And that is something that is widely used, just guaranteeing bonus schemes for the first six months or so. Okay. Yeah, that's very interesting. Okay, so we already slightly moved into the direction of how those um, incentive schemes could look like. Um, so maybe let's start with some negatives. What shouldn't you do um, when you set up a sales scheme? So I'm very sorry to say this because I know startup founders and especially people in startups love these. Do not use templates. Uh, <laughs> don't go on the internet and just search for, hey, how do I set up my bonus scheme? Um, why? Because as we'll see later on, a commission scheme should really make sense in the context of your company and especially your company goals and your KPIs. And it's very unlikely that these goals and these KPIs are going to be found somewhere copied on the Internet. Uh, it might be possible and that's just going to be a lucky day if somebody really uploads their bonus scheme and it just makes exact, exact sense for you, then sure, go ahead. But other than that, uh, nobody can take that step away from you. However, I think something, and we'll get to that later on, uh, use those, still read them, just to learn about the market. Yeah. Right. So uh, learn about what people are doing. If you're setting up a, 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 some sort of business with a recurring revenue, then re recurring revenue, for example, is a special case with bonuses. This is something you have to think about a little bit more and you have to have a couple more definitions. So if you're setting up a business with recurring revenue, then just sure, look at other companies that have recurring revenue models, mm -hmm. uh, usually class in the classic sense, software as a service, for example. Uh, number 1.1, I would say. Uh, so again, why do people like to use templates? Because it's simple, right? Yeah. You, you don't need a lot of knowledge before. But I think for a bonus scheme, I would not start with simplicity in mind. Simplicity it's, itself is not a goal. It's criteria that I would also use to have a good bonus scheme, but really start with the company goals in mind and never sacrifice those just for simplicity's sake. It sounds simple, but this is actually something that I've seen a lot of times um, when you see a first example of somebody doing a, a commission scheme and you, you discuss it with them, maybe they're a founder or they're a CSO and they'll say, well, we just did what we could to make it as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and that was their first goal, which is just wrong. And it leads to the wrong results. Yeah, I think that's a very good point because I, 
um, I believe that um, whole idea of simplicity um, in sales commissions it's it's very strong. Um, when you also when you do look at, at those templates that you can find online, and of course should always be as simple as possible, but really don't sacrifice goal alignment because the worst thing you can do is having a um, scheme that is very simple but simply leads in the wrong direction. Yeah. And also to add to that, and again, I don't want to rub that in too much, but let's be honest here and let's be real here. I think a lot of times the need for simplicity comes from the fact that you just don't have your company set up in a way yet where you have your numbers ready and where you have your performance and KPIs ready. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, if you're honest about that and nobody expects that from somebody who just starts out with a company or even the first years. But there's still ways to work around that. And I, I don't think that there's just the two extremes of, hey, either we know everything and then we build up the perfect bonus scheme. There's no such thing. Or we know nothing and then we just copy something off the internet. There is something in between and there is a lot you can do. So I think the in-between, that's where the work comes from. And that's why we sit down to have a talk like this. Yeah. I think uh, maybe again, relating to no-goes, uh, second part, also classic. You will have hear, heard that probably, but people still do it. Uh, don't put caps on bonuses. Uh, I mean, I can probably think of very extreme examples where that makes sense, but be real here, your company is probably not one of them. Like, I know you're thinking, well, I'm cash, uh, I, I'm really cash strapped, everybody is, we don't have the money, I can't afford to pay my salespeople 200,000, well, what, what do I do if they earn six-figure salaries and I have to pay 10 people six-figure salaries, I'm bankrupt. Well. Of course, you're a founder, you know that you're, make, do the math. Uh, you know that you're gonna pay that money uh, only when that person succeeds and if that person performs really well. And as soon as, or as long as you made your, your math is right, and as long as you sort of have a good understanding of what you earn money on, when that person succeeds and when that per person uh, earns six for your salaries, you're probably gonna be happy too. So, that's from your perspective. This is probably something you shouldn't be scared of. Again, going back to startup finance, there is, of course, some considerations where even if a single sale makes sense for you, maybe you just don't have the cash right now because you have to pay up front for the commission scheme and then people will uh, pay you later on. For example, recurring revenue is an example, right? Yeah. If I have to pay you uh, 200000 right now for a great performance, that would be an incredible performance, but I will only make that money within the next three to four years. It is possible that I can't afford that right now. But there is also ways around that. Well, different thing. There is ways you can pay bonus on that. Um, and then another thing for uh, for for bonuses. Really think uh, for caps. Really think from the salesperson's perspective. Again, going back to the example that we used in the intro, you really are disincentivized to have a great performance. Uh, if there is a cap on how much you can earn. You're gonna when you're if you're good, you're gonna do exactly what you need to earn that cap, and then even maybe defer sales to the next month, which really damages the company. So imagine that your best salespeople who would be able to get that extra 20-30% more are just gonna defer that 20-30% to the next month, or maybe to three, four, five months in the future. That's money that you're missing right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and do that calculation, there is no yeah. way it can be right. And I think that is actually something that people don't think about often that, I mean, when you look at, when you have a bigger sales team and when you look at, look at where do my sales come from, usually you'll have a pretty strong skew towards the 10 or 20% of your top performers will generate definitely way more than 10 or 20% of your revenue. 
So when you disincentivize for those people really to go to their max, this actually has a bigger effect on your overall company performance um, than getting those, you know, last 30%, the, the bottom uh, third or quarter of your sales team a little bit more motivated. So this is why I fully agree with this. I think caps are usually not a good idea in sales schemes. Yeah. And again, a little bit related to that, think about the um, ratio between fixed and variable that you're targeting at and try to not be too high, not be too low. Um, I think something that has established itself in the market, especially in Europe, is around 70, 30, uh, as in 70 fixed percent and 30 percent uh, variable payout. You can be higher, you can be lower, but make sure that you understand that the market is around 70, 30. So if you want 50, 50, because you think, well, that my business makes sense in that context, then make sure that you understand, then understand that the people who are going to hire have to have a higher risk affinity than the average salesperson. Because yeah. the average salesperson gets 70, 30. And then also make sure, so this is something, okay, let's assume the average in the market makes 70, 30. With a 100K salary, there would be 70K fix and 30K bonus. Let's assume you want to pay 50, 50 though. You cannot go out there and say, well, I'll just pay them 50 fix and I'll pay them 50 bonus. Yeah. There will be a pretty stupid salesperson or they will be very, very passionate about your company to take that scheme. Yeah. What you have to do is you probably have to pay them a little bit upside, right? We learned that in finance, every risk that you take on has to come with some sort of upside. So understand that every time you say, well, no, I want to make it more, I want to make it better for me. I want to have more security as a company. You also have to give more upside to the other salesperson. Yeah. So this is a consideration you really will have to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think last part also about the no-goes, uh, small part, but don't just leave, don't just do a bonus scheme and then just leave it there and, and don't change it ever again. Yeah. Uh, it's a no brainer, but this is something that can be so complicated and, and it's something that even big companies keep working and refining on every year or every couple of years. If you're setting up a bonus scheme for the first time or even for the 10th time, chances that you got it right the first time are very low. So keep this in your mind, keep thinking about it, uh, have visibility on your numbers and then just refine it. Yeah. And also maybe one remark on this, make sure when you set up the contractual part um, of a um, variable payment for your salespeople, make sure you have the flexibility to change that. So in general, what you shouldn't do is you shouldn't have this in the actual employment contract, but you should have a appendix to the employment contract um, that you can change on a more frequent basis because otherwise it's going to make it really hard for you um, to adjust those um, incentive schemes that you set up. All right, so how would you start from scratch? What would be the first steps when you think about setting up a bonus scheme? So bonus scheme in a nutshell. Um, let's assume you've never done this or even you've seen it a couple times before. Before I would do anything, I would research and educate myself on the topic and maybe talk to other founders, other VPs, other CSOs who have done it before. This is not something you have to spend ages on, but just a couple of hours looking through different models. Again, as I said before, maybe look for examples that are within the sort of thing you're trying to do. So again, if you have a software as a service model and you have uh, recurring revenue, then look for bonus schemes in that area. And I keep harping on recurring revenue because this, for example, is really a special case. Mm -hmm. uh, so once you've done that research and you have sort of an idea of the context, uh, think about your goals. I think this is, again, the number one thing. 
What are you trying to achieve with this company right now? Or maybe even in the short to midterm. Maybe not the long-term goals. Yeah, you're trying to be a unicorn, but there's probably no way you can set up a commission scheme to become a unicorn right now. So really think <laughs> yeah. about yeah. What, what is the goal for this year? Yeah. Is it to build a customer base because you just don't have any yet? Is it to uh, explore the customer base you currently have? Is it to uh, explore some new markets and just test out what's going to happen? Uh, these are very, very different things. Uh, if you're looking to build new customers, you have to incentivize towards that. And that means you have to understand that there's going to be a higher failure rate. You're going to have a lot of cold calls which have high failure rates. You will need to push in a lot of, uh, a lot of leads in your, uh, in your funnel and you will have to pay for people to call those leads. Mm -hmm. So just as a preface to that, you might be thinking, well, okay, if I need to do uh, cold calling, I might have to pay people already for just doing cold calling. Mm -hmm. uh, give them bonus schemes, right? If they reach activity goals, then maybe I'll just give them a little kicker. That's something that might work out. Uh, if you're looking to explore what you already have, cross, upsell, then you might be looking to set up an account management scheme where people will have to do different tasks, uh, different kind of opportunities. Uh, but yeah, not, not to get in too deep into this, what are you trying to achieve this year? Number one consideration. Okay, so you would say you should usually think about kind of a annual um, scheme. So thinking about um, the next 12 months. Uh, sure, because I mean, that's maybe not the horizon that you're thinking about in your company, but that's the horizon that the salesperson is going to think in. Uh, they're usually thinking annually. Um, a lot of times because bonus are paid out annually um, or they're thinking monthly or like let's say quarterly if that's how the bonus is paid out but I think a year is, uh, is, is what's just been set in people's minds yeah. it's it's actually an arbitrary uh, time frame yeah. but that's just what people have in mind yeah for yourself again of course you will have to align this as a C level or as a VP or as a team lead with your longer-term goals mm -hmm. obviously okay so once you're clear on those goals, and once you're really clear that also everybody in the company aligns on those goals, sit down with your sales leaders, the people you trust most, uh, or even the people you'll trust a little less, even their opinion uh, is gonna make a lot of sense there, obviously, yeah. uh, and break down those goals to actions and behaviors. So let's say, again, we really want to get new customers this year. Mm -hmm. We're opening up a new market, and we have a very small client base. This is gonna be a classic problem because everybody in the beginning does not have customers. So we need to do cold calls. That's something we have. that's an action that has to happen. Yeah. Uh, a behavior that has to happen is that we have to just always be prospecting, right? We have to get our salespeople maybe to go to conferences, to just talk to people, to uh, go to meetups, to do things that are maybe not in their contract. So we might have to find a way to incentivize them for that, right? Mm -hmm. I cannot force people to go to a meetup at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday, but I can pay them to get new prospects. I can pay them to produce leads, yeah. which is something that directly stands in the in connection with uh, going to a meetup. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So uh, how do you, you, you said you need to differentiate between actions and behaviors. Um, what exactly is the difference between those two? I mean, behaviors at the end, is really the I, I, th I mean action is something that you usually can measure. Mm -hmm. Let, let's start by saying that. Yeah. So I'm thinking actions in the sense of you go into Salesforce and you say hey or whatever CRM you have hey give me a report how many calls did we do this week uh, how many 
fairs that we uh, visit last month uh, yeah. or, or for the whole year. Yeah. This is this is sort of an action. This is something you can measure okay. and that you can probably even pay money on if you want to. You can say, hey, yeah. guys, if you reach 500 calls every month, we'll pay you a couple bucks every month or we'll give you extra extra percentage or something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a behavior is... A beha- okay, let me, let me give you an example. This is also an example from, from companies that we've had. Uh, we... It, I'm not going to name the company, but there was a company where bonus scheme was really low on variable mm-hmm. uh, component, component. So people were not too heavily incentivized to really perform well. It was a very stable environment. And they had activity goals. For example, the activity goal was, hey, you need to do 20 calls a day. Okay. 20 cold calls. Yeah. Which I thought at the time was not really a stretch goal, but you have to work on that. Usually you're gonna have to put maybe in half an hour extra. Let's say more than eight hours, you're gonna have to work eight and a half or nine hours to do that. Well, that goal meant so little to people because there was not much bonus connected to it that people would go home when they had 19 calls. (laughs) And to me, maybe I'm just special there, but to me, this is something that's just very, very bad behavior. Uh, I'm not going to scold those salespeople, but it's just behavior that you don't want to have in your company. It just means that the goal of 20 means so little to the people and it just means so little to them commercially, money-wise, that they just don't care. They'll go home, instead of doing another 10-15 minute call, they'll go home at 5 p.m. uh, or at 6 p.m. with 19 calls there. Okay, so you would probably um, say that actions are something that you can measure, like a, a clear sales activity. And behavior is what kind of mindset do you want to get into those people? Yeah, in, okay. in the little decisions, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. Right, am I am I, I'm, I'm off work? I've had a difficult day. Am I going to go to that meetup or not? Yeah. Right. We're in Berlin here. There's a, probably a meetup every every day yeah. uh, in basically every environment you want to have. But even in other cities, you're going to find conferences and meetups and everything. Yeah. You cannot force people to go there. Okay. But you can incentivize them to do yeah. it. So yeah, that, that, that's the part about the goals. Um, so you've broken down your goals into actions and behaviors. Mm-hmm. Maybe add some different categories. You don't really have to think only in actions and behaviors, but you thought about what do those goals mean on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Now try to think about KPIs that describe those actions and goals, right? That's just the basic definition of KPI, obviously. But those can be very many different things. Uh, and you could... Divide them by uh, what is an input factor and what, what's an output factor. So you could go in there and say, hey, uh, my KPI is called, uh, it's mailed, it's cold calls or uh, LinkedIn messages, whatever. Um, but it's also sales. And you can mix those two together. But try to think about really for every step, what sort of KPI can I have? It does not have to be perfect. It can be a proxy KPI. Uh, but start with that. You will need that because otherwise you cannot pay on anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, how much would you set on like activities or KPIs and how much would you set on the actual goal that you are in the end the goal is number of customers or sales or CM1 uh, so contribution margin um, that is kind of the end goal that you're looking at right and then there's other KPIs that are indicators in a way. Is there something like a, a rule of thumb um, how much of the bonus scheme should depend on which of those types of variables? Yeah. So I think depending on the salespeople you have, 
you, but even not then, you always assume that your salespeople are mature and they're good, otherwise you probably wouldn't hire them. Um, or at least they're trying their best. If, if they're not good yet, then they try their best to become good. A good salesperson needs an outcome and then they'll find their own way to do it, which might not be according to your way, but they'll find a way. So yeah. let's assume that you want them to do 50 calls a day uh, to reach a million revenue every year, but they'll just do five calls and do 10 visits and they'll just get there by themselves. Yeah. Uh, maybe they producing better results. You're not gonna go out there and say, hey, you didn't do it the way I wanted to, so uh, I'm, you're not gonna get your bonus, obviously. Yeah. You don't really care how they do it. Uh, there is no value in that itself, usually, uh, unless it affects other salespeople, so you only care about the result. Mm -hmm. Long answer to say, I would probably usually start out by saying, this is what I want to achieve, go out there and get it. But incentivizing input factors is a good way to steer actions of people, and behavior even, uh, if it doesn't work out. So when you say, I have, I have five salespeople, I gave them a goal, after a couple months I see, well, it, does, it will not work out. We're not getting there. Guys, let's sit down and see what's happening, right? Why are we not getting there? Well, we're not writing enough cold mails. We, we should reach people on LinkedIn. But nobody does it for whatever reason. Maybe it sucks doing it on LinkedIn. Maybe they really don't know how to do it. Well, okay, I'm just gonna go for the next half year, every LinkedIn message, five euros, uh, or every 100 LinkedIn messages, you get a couple percent more. So this is something that can, immediately fix mistakes that you're doing. Yeah. Okay, uh, so basically you would say um, the more senior your salespeople, the more you can incentivize on the output goal, whereas more junior people who might need some more guidance should also have at least some parts um, incentivized on their input KPIs like sales activities and so on. Uh, and what I would like to add to this also second part, um, and we touched upon this earlier, is the issue of um, that the time at which you acquire a customer and the time at which um, you actually get revenue from that customer or a larger part of revenue of that customer, that might be quite long. Um, and especially when you have quite pretty long sales cycles, uh, it might actually help you in incentivizing the people on a short-term basis uh, by setting activity goals. So basically what I mean by this is that you um, say, I give you a monthly call target for instance, um, and I know our sales cycle are nine months, but you want to have a kind of monthly motivation of those salespeople and not have them sitting around, not really knowing are they going to get an incentive after nine months or not. So use, use something um, like calls as a proxy to basically give them a little bit, um, a bit of a closer connection to their incentive across the year. Or, or something, that's, that's a great thought. I mean, something that you can also use is milestone goals. So you can yeah. say, okay, it takes me one year to do a sale, but usually after around three, four months, we can have the first, um, uh, the first offer. Yeah. So maybe you'll just give up money already for offers. Because you will know that for every 10 offers, you will make three sales, so you'll know what an offer is worth it. Yeah. So that's something like in, in product online marketing, um, that's what we call micro-conversions. Uh, so this could be also something that you might look at to incentivize the different steps in the sales funnel already when you have very long sales cycles. Yeah. Okay. Next step, I think something that's related to this is really think about what every person's contribution is. So I'll give you an example. Uh, and this is, again, a difficult step for a young company. Let's assume your sales cycle includes three people. Maybe even four people, actually. Let's make it four people. You have a, an SDR who's doing the pre-qualification of the customer. They're cold calling and then they're producing leads. 
You have the salesperson who is going to an appointment out of that lead and uh, making the sale. You have, after the sale, an account manager who is doing active outbound calling to do post-sales activities, whatever that is, uh, upselling, cross-selling, whatever you're trying to do, prolonging contracts. And then you probably even have an uh, account service, uh, customer service, however, customer success you want to call it, who's doing inbound requests, but might also want to do some sales. So you might have four different people doing different things. Yeah. This is potential for an absolute mess when it comes to bonus. Because let's assume everybody of those people, or even, even if just one of those people is, is, is paid on, on performance, they're always going to claim whatever euro was produced and whatever euro was, uh, was earned by you, they're going to claim it on their performance. So really sit down and think about where are the boundaries of what everybody's doing and what are the inputs and outputs. It always comes back to some KPI that you can probably track if you're doing it well. You can always say, well, okay, an SDR really gets paid for producing X, and X can be an appointment in Salesforce. It can be a customer or a lead or a data, whatever, a data set that has a certain amount of data in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be having five contacts to a company. Whatever that is, that's what, what they'll get paid on. And you might add, well, okay, and then they'll earn another percent on the sale that's made later on. That's also something. But really make sure that everybody is paid and knows what they're being paid on. Mm-hmm. It sounds very simple because early on, you will have it very simple. You probably won't have four people working on one customer. Early on, you will have one account manager who just does everything. Yeah. But think about these things and think about where you're heading and what's going to happen in a year or two. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Next step. Uh, so before you hire those salespeople, um, research the market and research the salaries and think about the kind of person you want to hire. Do you need, uh, how difficult is your product to sell and how, how much experience do you need in the field that you have in? Do you need people who are more senior or do you think that you can set up your business with people fresh out of university or maybe even people who have not set in university? That's something you can do a lot in sales. Um, or maybe you can just work with juniors who've just started selling some phones and media models at Warren, and then you can just do whatever with uh, you want to sell with them. Why? It will heavily dictate the salary you have to pay, but also the ratios you have to pay. Mm-hmm. How how risk averse or how, how much of an affinity for risk will they have? Uh, how much will they be dependent, or how much will they know about their market value? Uh, and that will really dictate what you can pay them. Yeah. I mean, a very simple step, but think about that. And I think this is also where a lot of people go wrong. It's off incentives, but sometimes your product is really not that complicated to sell. And you might really just be doing very fine with hiring young people, training them well, and then getting the product out there. Yeah. Everybody wants the sales rock and superstar, and that's what they always call them. But that sales and rock superstar probably also wants 80 fix and a BMW uh, for, for a car, which you can get three juniors for. Yep. And very important step, next step, figure out how to track your KPIs and also communicate it to people. So uh, make sure that if you want to track activity goals, make sure that people are actually, uh, make sure if you want to pay for activity goals, make sure that people are actually tracking them. Make sure you know where to find them. Make sure you know who's going to take care of that. Let's assume you want to pay bonus every month. There needs to be someone who on the 28th or 29th or 30th of every month 
gathers those reports and calculates the amount of salary that everybody gets. And that can be a lot of work. It might be on, on a Sunday when that has to happen. Uh, there needs to be someone who does that. Mm-hmm. Set up those responsibilities and, and set up the numbers that you're tracking. Yeah. And I think that that part is actually sometimes underestimated when people set up um, a sales scheme. And we did say at the beginning, don't sacrifice uh, your goal alignment for simplicity, but do think about the admin, the additional administrative work that you create when you set up this scheme. Yeah. And don't just, I think some classic mistake is also, well, okay, the sales department, they just uh, made their bonus scheme, new bonus scheme, let's just hand it over to finance and they'll take care of everything. Probably not going to work. It's probably going to need to be someone in the sales department who understands the KPIs and who understands uh, the bonus scheme perfectly, who then needs to calculate the numbers and give them to finance. Yeah. Yes, finance pays them, but they don't know your bonus scheme. Yeah. And they're not your salespeople. Okay. And I think there's many steps coming, but uh, coming after that. But I think really the last thing for me right now is communicate the goals very clearly, and communicate your bonus scheme very clearly. This is something that a lot of founders and a lot of early people are a little bit scared of because they know that a bonus scheme always has a possibility of somebody not earning a lot of money. Yeah. Um, Usually, if, if your fix is not a lot of money, then usually there's a possibility of failure. Uh, you have to find a way to communicate it and still motivate people by it. Show them the upside. Show them uh, a classic way would be, for example, okay, let's assume I'm, I've devised a new bonus scheme and I'm trying to sell it to people. I'm trying to motivate people by it. Well, usually I will have to show them how with a similar performance than the last year, they will earn even more money with the new bonus scheme. Or maybe they will not earn more, but they will earn it monthly instead of every half year. You have to show them some upside Mm -hmm. um, for them to to, to have a buy-in. And this is very important. You launch a new bonus scheme, you want people to have motivation from it. That's why you do it. So selling a bonus scheme and just getting, having everybody be uh, coming to the office being, well, I'm not really, I don't really care about this. Uh, this sucks. I'm looking for another company. That's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah, fully agree. Okay, so to to kind of sum this up, um, basically, of course, always start with your company goals. Think about what you want to achieve. Um, don't necessarily think about what your big mission is in the next five to eight years, but rather what's um, what's your number one priority for the next 12 months. And then basically translate this into what kind of actions and behaviors do I need to see from a salespeople? How can I measure them in terms of KPIs? Um, but also, what would be the administrative work that goes into tracking this on a regular, usually monthly uh, basis? And this is kind of the internal perspective. What you then want to add is basically an external perspective. You have to think about in the kind of market that I'm active, how much do I need to pay people and what salary um, ratios are they expecting? So is it normal in my industry to have a 50-50 ratio or is it a bit more conservative? Is it more like a 80-20 um, kind of ratio? So 80% fixed, 20% variable, that is. Um, and when you've done this, make sure you communi- communicate the goals very clearly and communicate why you chose to do this so people understand the benefits of the systems that you have. Yeah. So, um, I think we covered today a, a couple of topics. Um, why do we have bonus schemes in sale? Why do they make sense? What shouldn't you do? And what are things to think about when you start setting up a bonus scheme? 
Um, and we will do a second part of this podcast where we will go into some more detail, um, which will cover which kind of models are there. So there's different kind of sales uh, incentive schemes. What are advantages and disadvantages of those? And how should they be used for different roles within your team? So uh, thank you very much for your time. It was super interesting and talk to you again soon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.